0: Scripture reading this morning before Brother Neil comes is in Deuteronomy. It'll be chapter 4. I'll start with verse 15 and go to 40. So don't fall asleep. Just hang in there. We'll get through it. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. So that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, or like any animal on earth, or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array... Do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron-smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance I will die in this land I will not cross the Jordan but you are about to cross over and take possession of that great land be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of an idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and provoking him to anger. Sorry about that. See, he did that to wake up the ones that were sleeping, so I told you. (laughs) Verse 26, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God, He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers, which he confirmed to them by oath. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created man on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by miraculous signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides Him, there is no other. From heaven, He made you hear His voice to discipline you. On earth, He showed you His great fire, and you heard His words from out of the fire. Because He loved your forefathers and chose their descendants after them, He brought you out of Egypt by His presence and His great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land, to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time.
1: I thought Gene was nodding off, so we just had to wake him up a little bit. <laughs> I picked on Gene all day yesterday, so I figured I might as well continue it today. <laughs> Sorry about that, Gene. It'll be someone else's week next week.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, hey, something I uh, should have shared with you last week and forgot and needed to update you on. It's been a while since I gave you an update on the... Uh, youth pastor situation, and so I wanted to give you an update. First of all, on a final official date on Jimmy's last Sunday, and that'll actually be this next Sunday, August 17th. Uh, He was going to be going out of town after that anyway, so we just put it on this uh, 17th. It'll be next Sunday, and then he's going to be with the students again on Wednesday the 20th, and uh, that'll be his last Wednesday. So I wanted to give you an update on that, and we'll be you know, honoring him next week, letting him know how much we appreciate him. So make sure you're here and you can give him a hug and whatnot. Um, And then uh, as far as the search is going, we are still uh, searching for someone to uh, be the next youth pastor. And so that is something we do intend to follow through on and find somebody and hire them and bring them in here. And uh, we want to let you know that so that uh, so that our students can have confidence that we're. Searching on that and our parents and also so that those of you who have been faithfully giving to the youth director fund uh, can continue to do so because we uh, probably need all the help we can get there and uh, we can we definitely intend to use that and so we've we've talked with a couple of people nothing has panned out yet but we've uh, still got some more things we can look into. And uh, more avenues we can do some searching in. So, we're looking forward to finding just the right person at just the right time that God has for us. Uh, so, I wanted to give you an update on that. Um, as you know, if you've been around here very much, but you may not if you're new around here, I am a, a worship pastor turned senior pastor. And so, it seemed even just a few months into my time here that it was time to do a series on worship. And so that's where we find ourselves, starting as of last week, uh, doing this sermon series on worship. And, uh, you know, some guys, they, I've, heard, I've talked to associate pastors who uh, leave, you know, youth ministry or worship ministry or whatever it may be because they just kind of burned out on it, got tired of it. You know, at, this, at some point when you get older and older, youth ministry, you know, can just take its toll and uh, you just don't, feel like you got the energy to keep up with them anymore maybe and uh, so guys just they kind of lose the passion for it and they maybe go into a different kind of ministry or they go into a different career. For me you know I never really felt like I lost my passion for worship ministry it's just God gave me other passions and so uh, kind of took me in a new direction but it was kind of a heart-wrenching thing as I've shared before with you that uh, you know, still, I still loved worship ministry, and that's why I easily get sucked into helping lead songs because I'm a sucker for that. I just, I like it. But um, anyway, as, speaking of my last job as a worship pastor, uh, some of my uh, good friends from Springfield are visiting with us today, and they drove down yesterday to, so they could meet you guys and, and see the church and see what in the world we're doing down here. And uh, what this town looks like that we moved. So uh, Jerry and Janie Rabie and Jeff and Gayla Latham made a long trip yesterday and making a long trip back today, but uh, they said it was worth it so, so far. but that was before the sermon, so we'll see. Uh, uh, that song that I sang during the offering, I don't usually play piano. I don't usually play piano but I definitely don't usually play it on that one and our piano player up in Springfield would always play it but before I left Springfield Jerry came to me and said now Neil make sure you sing that song before you go <laughs> and uh, so I figured since he made the trip all the way down here I ought to sing it again so I uh, hope it blessed y'all too but hey just uh, let's talk a little bit more about worship I mentioned to you last week you know that probably going to see some changes in in our worship service and you probably already noticed that somewhat even this morning Um, just some of the different songs and different things that we're learning Uh, we promise not to overwhelm you all at once and we'll kind of work things in slowly and gradually and that kind of thing and we're still going to keep our favorite things um, you know about you know we're not going to like drop hymns or anything like that you don't have to worry about that uh, but we're just going to start making some changes. They're going to be done um, gradually, like I said, and responsibly. And and uh, so, but we really, I mean, today even was just great worshiping with y'all. I saw so many of you um, singing out really loud and and uh, engaged in song. And that's what that's what we're after is just a church that's excited about worship and about worship ministry. So that when people come through these doors and they sit in here for the first time. They think, wow, these people are passionate about God and maybe they'll be interested enough to stick around and see why. So, uh, worship, it's so much more than just this service right here. Worship is so much more than on Sunday mornings. It's so much more than music. It's so much more than singing. Worship has everything to do with God and very little to do with us sometimes we make worship about us and we say hey I need to get to church this week because I need some worship <laughs> or you say something to that effect you may not use those exact words but and, I, and there is a part of us we need that fellowship, we need that time that those worshipping does something for our souls but here's the deal the only way that it's going to do something really for your soul is if your motivation is to come and worship God And make it about Him. And when we make it about Him, the funny thing is, then God turns it around and uses it as a blessing in our own lives. And so, worship has everything to do with God. And last week we talked about worship begins with God. We said that worship is essentially giving God the credit that He deserves say that with me giving God the credit he deserves let's try it again giving God the credit he deserves absolutely and if we could dig a little deeper worship is it's our response to God for who he is and for what he's done in our life and that's really what we focused on last week we said uh, look even if God had done nothing for us he would be worthy of our worship just because of who he is and who is he well, he's the almighty God. He's the creator of everything, including you and me. He is worthy of praise just because of who he is. But not only that, he did do something for us, something incredible. And when we were far from God, he reconciled us through Jesus Christ. When we deserved punishment, he took that punishment in our stead. And because of that, because of what he's done, he's worthy of our worship. We worship through what we say, but we also worship through what we do. And we worship when we're alone, and we also worship when we're together. And we're going to be talking about all this in the coming weeks. But this week, we're discussing this idea of worshiping God with a little bit. Wait. Worshiping God with something. Worshiping God with our Sunday mornings. If it's a nice day, and if there's no football on, right? No, worshiping God with everything, this could get interesting. The verse we looked at last week, if I can get to it, the verse we looked at last week said, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, With reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So acceptable worship starts. With this reverence. This awe. This fear of God. Because our God is a consuming fire. You see those quotation marks. Around God is a consuming fire. That's because. The author of Hebrews. Which is in a book of. An ancient book that's found in your New Testament. It was written after Jesus. He's quoting. Moses. Way, way back before, at the very beginning of uh, really the story of the Jewish people, and he's quoting Deuteronomy 4, from which we read a very long section of scripture that Gene almost fell asleep during. Sorry, Gene. And so uh, maybe you caught that in there. It was around. It was kind of in the middle of the passage, and Moses is speaking and he says, our God is a consuming fire. Now Moses in in Deuteronomy, if you've ever read through Deuteronomy, it's basically one huge farewell speech. And I think it's kind of natural for leaders, after they've been leading an organization or a group of people for a long time, to want to kind of say something on the way out and uh, even, even in my time in Springfield when I got ready to leave I felt compelled to like write letters to certain people and uh, you know say write an email to the church or a letter to the church and things like that just to have one last say before I go kind of thing you know and I think Moses really had a lot to say I mean he was a leader of these people for a long time and certainly went through some stuff if you read through it all and the guy clearly had a lot to say because it filled up Deuteronomy so, basically, this is Deuteronomy is almost entirely just speeches that Moses gave as he was kind of on his way out. And he was reminding the people of stuff. And in this chapter 4 that we were reading from, I hope you caught, if you were here last week, You know, we read from Exodus a story about when the people came to Mount Sinai. And God came down in glory and splendor and in fire on top of Mount Sinai and basically blew their minds (laughs) they said to Moses after that Moses, how about we don't do that anymore you just go talk to God for us and then you can come back and tell us what he said because this whole talking to us thing in person is too scary Uh, he's a little too awesome for us so why don't you do that for us we talked about that last week and in this chapter, Moses is reminding them of that moment when God came down in fire, and he talked about fire several times in Deuteronomy 4, and he talked about how God is a consuming fire, and he said, he said, did you notice when God came down, he didn't have a form, you know, fire doesn't really have a form, it just flickers, it's light, it's energy, he said, it didn't have a form, and he said, remember that, because you're going to be tempted, in these other lands that you're going to, to worship idols, because that was what people did then, they they uh, carved out an image of something that they were going to worship and they worshipped it and he's saying hey remember when we saw God come down on the mountain did he have an image like that no he's not a created thing he's the creator so remember that when you get in there to these foreign lands and worship God only not these idols and things but there is something else that Moses said as well something else he said. He said, not only that God is a consuming fire, but he is a blank God. Do you remember what it was? I think it was verse 24, if you have it open. Jealous. Someone whispered it. <laughs> Thank you. He is a jealous A jealous God? Doesn't that seem kind of like an odd description for God? A jealous God? I mean... When God came down in that fire on Mount Sinai, he gave the Ten Commandments. And one of those Ten Commandments essentially is, don't be jealous. Don't don't covet your neighbor's stuff, right? Don't be jealous. And here, Moses says, our God is a jealous God. And when we look at the rest of the Ten Commandments, we see kind of that, that conflict, because God says at the beginning... I'm your God, worship me only don't worship anybody else, don't make any other idols, it's me so he's a jealous God, Moses hit the nail on the head, but how is that okay in fact I've heard that uh, just a quote from Oprah that this was kind of the thing that threw her off about Christianity and why she doesn't, you know why she kind of turned her back on Christianity to start with was that God was a jealous God and she couldn't reconcile that that's just whatever. everyone's got their reasons I guess But that was one of hers and it is one of those things that when you think about it at first glance you think well how does that work he doesn't want us to be jealous that's sinful but for him it's okay I think it's kind of like anger a little bit there's a wrong kind of anger and a right kind of anger we all know that Um, A lot of times it's called righteous anger. Maybe you've heard that term before. But there's some things that you're supposed to get angry about, right? There's some things that if you weren't angry about it, there'd be probably something wrong with you. Because there's just some things that happen in this world that shouldn't happen that way, and there's a right kind of anger. Similarly, there's a right kind of jealousy. There's a right kind of jealousy. See here's the deal when God said don't covet your neighbor's stuff he's saying don't be jealous of something that's not yours and the thing about what God is jealous of it's all his so it's a right kind of jealousy think about it this way have you ever been cheated on sorry to dredge up old memories that maybe aren't that pleasant but Probably all of us, in some shape or form, have been. Let's uh, let's raise the lights back up. I'm afraid everyone's going to fall asleep. <laughs> we don't want that. Thank you. Um, have you ever been cheated on? Maybe by a friend, maybe by a girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance back in the day, or uh, or recently, or maybe. Uh, even by a spouse, there's a. I was told this story. I'm just going to repeat it the best I can remember it. But my grandfather, when he was a young man, got engaged to a girl that lived in a different town, and uh, you know everyone loves those long distance relationships, right? And so he went to visit the girl once and surprised her, and uh, maybe surprised her too much. <laughs> Because when he knocked on the door, her parents were kind of weird about what uh, where she was or what she was doing. So he just waited on her until she got back to the house with another fellow. And uh, he was not ever the sort of fellow you'd want to try and run over. And so he was furious, and he demanded the ring back. And she didn't want to give it back, so she took it off her finger (laughs) physically and uh, went. He couldn't return it anymore so he exchanged it for some silver fine silver and gave it to his mom and uh, you know would anyone say that he was wrong to be jealous in that situation I mean she had committed he had committed they were planning to get married and uh, you would say no you have a right to be Jealous in that situation. There's certain situations that seem, seem justified. And how much more justified is God? See, he doesn't compare our relationship to him as just an engagement, but as a marriage. We are the bride of Christ. And so he has a right to be jealous, just as a husband or wife has a right to be jealous of their husband or wife their spouse and he doesn't like infidelity any more than we do but God's people have seldom proven faithful if you look in scripture in the Old Testament you find even right after God came down in fire gave him the Ten Commandments the whole nine yards there's the people asking Aaron to make a golden calf for him so they can worship it and that boggles our minds when we read it. But it happened, and it happened again and again and again throughout Israel's history turning from God, turning back to God, turning from God, turning back to God. God literally referred to them as a wife who had turned into a prostitute through his prophets. That's what he referred to them as. When you're brave sometime, read Ezekiel 16. And then you have uh, the New Testament. Christians in the New Testament struggled with it too, and you see the Apostle Paul and other people writing to churches, asking them, begging them to turn back to God, remember their first love, uh, stop behaving in these immoral ways that they were supposed to have died to, and turn back to God. So it was a problem in the New Testament. And are we any better than the Israelites or those New Testament Christians? We seem to struggle the same. People kind of seem to be the same no matter what age or era that they live in, don't they? Times change, cultures change, technology changes, but people seem to kind of stay the same. We just wear different clothes. Most of us wear clothes. Thank goodness. Sorry, it just popped into my head. Not everyone wears clothes, but thankfully, most of us do. I don't know where these things come from, it's not in my notes promise. Uh, Did you know that God has a dream? We talk about great people having dreams. A dream to end discrimination, or a dream to end cancer, or a dream to end a war, a dream to end something bad, or to start something good. A dream to start a foundation, a dream to we have little dreams too in our lives. We dream, you know, when we're young of a good looking lady and I looked out on that. We dream when we get married of having a, you know, little kids and running around and we have dreams and God has a dream too. We get glimpses of God's dream throughout scripture again. In the, in the uh, Ten Commandments, we get a glimpse of God's dream when he's telling the people to worship him only. And when Moses was given that speech in Deuteronomy, he was given glimpses of God's dream again. In the New Testament, we read about the dream too. In places like Philippians 2, 9, and 11, it says, For this reason, God highly exalted him, Jesus. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And even to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, we see the Apostle John has this vision. And I think part of that vision is just a glimpse of, of what God dreams of and in that we actually read some of it last week we sang this song revelation song that's based out of it and it's just all of creation and all of heaven singing their hearts out to God worshiping God and worshiping him only and giving him the credit that he deserves and that is God's dream every time he looks forward to the future he dreams of a time when all people will worship him and him alone. Please, he says, love me, worship me only. I am your God, you are my people. God wants everything. God wants everything. He doesn't want just part of our lives, he wants everything. It would be a lot easier if he just wanted something. If he just wanted us to jump through certain hoops. If he just wanted us to show up on Sunday morning. It would be even easier if he would just give us a little list. And say, hey, if every morning you would do a little devotion. And then you'd say a little prayer. And then at night you'd say another prayer. And at meal times you would say prayers. And then if you would come on Wednesday nights, that would be good. But you know, if it hasn't been a good day or a long week, just as long as you make it on Sunday. Now, Sunday school would be good and would get you extra points, but if, if you'd just come on Sunday, then you'd be good. I just want a few things. But God isn't like that. Everything. Everything means worshiping God when you're at work or at school. Everything means worshiping God with your attitude and with your choices. It means worshiping God with your family. It means worshiping God when you're all alone and no one's looking. It means worshiping God in rush hour traffic on the Lee Joiner Bridge. (laughs) Now I'm hitting close to home. (laughs) But again, I don't think he's asking for anything unreasonable when we think about it. How many of you, just by... Uh, let's do a show of hands. How many of you like it if you're, let's just say, let's make it as broad as we can, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever you got at the time, you, or maybe you've had one or whatever, you would like them to tell you from time to time that they love you. How many of you would like that? Alright. Now how many of you would like it for them to show you from time to time that they love you? Now if you had to pick How many of you would prefer that they tell you and not show you? Okay, that's what I thought. (laughs) God, I just thought we'd see. So it is with God. He would prefer both, that we tell him and show him. But the most important thing is that we show him. And we do that with everything. As a spouse, I can't just... Show Julie that I love her sometimes, but other times I can hang out with other ladies, and it's not a big deal as long as I show her sometimes, right? It doesn't work that way, and it doesn't work that way with God. He demands everything. You've got a little sheet here, and we're coming to some blanks, so if you want to fill them in, this is the time. Feel free anytime to take notes on the front or back of this that aren't on there. Uh, Everyone operates differently, and some people like to have a pen going to help them think and process, and that's great. God doesn't want just part of your life, He wants all or nothing. He is jealous. He wants all or nothing. He is jealous. Let me tell you this He's also merciful. And he's also determined to help us if we'll just let him. And as believers, he's given us his Holy Spirit for that very purpose, to help us. Because he knows that we're weak. Maybe today you'd dare to look at your own life and ask the question, who are you? Which of these two people are you? I'm going to give two different things, and these are the other fill in the blanks on your sheet. And uh, you know, if you're looking at it later, and you know, one of these line items may cover some people in the room, and the other one may cover a different group of people in the room. And some of you may find you're in neither. But just wanted to ask you to take some inventory today. First. Who are you? Are you someone who would say, I've withheld my worship from God. I've never given him my worship. I have withheld my worship from God. Maybe you find that you've never worshipped God like he deserves, never given him the credit that he deserves. And today, maybe you're starting to realize that he's calling your name and he's begging you, please, 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 worship me only. I'm your God. You're my people. Love me only. I love you so deeply. (laughs) Look at what I've done for you. Look at who I am. Worship me only. Or maybe you would identify with this. Are you someone who would say, I've been holding something back. I've been giving him some of the credit that he deserves I've been less than faithful though sometimes maybe you would say I, I love him with my mouth and I sing the songs but my life doesn't really match up and I can talk the talk and so to speak but I have trouble with the walk sometimes living it out You've been saying you love him, but living like you love other things more. And maybe you realize today that he's also calling your name and saying the same thing, really. Please, worship me only. Love me only. Pursue me only. Above everything. So I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. This is a principle that the church talks about in a lot of different ways. We read in the Bible sometimes the term sanctification. Which sounds really fancy if you can use that word in a sentence. Then you sound that much smarter. Sanctification. But it is basically this idea of God setting us apart. Making us holy as he is holy by the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you'll let his Holy Spirit begin doing a work in your life, he will begin setting you apart in more and more ways and you'll begin to look more and more like Christ. And that's what worshiping him with everything kind of looks like. I love this description. And this is kind of how I want to close. And I'll say a prayer for us in just a moment. But sometimes I think you talk about... worshiping God with everything and it just sounds so daunting and I love the way the message translation lays all this out this verse in Romans 12 1. here's what I want you to do God helping you which is a big point <laughs> God helping you because we need that take your everyday ordinary life your sleeping eating going to work walking around life and just place it before God as an offering Take all that stuff, all the stuff that makes up your everyday life. Place it all before God as an offering. He doesn't want just part of your life, He wants all or nothing. He is jealous. The worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. And uh, in the meantime, let's pray together. Lord God. You are more than worthy of all of our worship. You created us to worship you, and it's your dream that one day everything will be made right again. And everyone will recognize you for who you are, and they'll give you the credit that you deserve. Every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My prayer, our prayer, that that would be true right now here in Cypress Street Church of God. That we would be a people who worship you with everything. It sounds daunting, God, and so we need your spirit to help us. I pray for the folks here who maybe have never given you the worship that you deserve. And today they're feeling like, man, maybe it's time I start. I pray, Lord, that you would lead them to a place of repentance where they want to turn from their old way of living and turn to you. Where they would ask you for your forgiveness and would find it in you. That they'd put their trust in Jesus Christ. Make him the Lord of their life. And Lord, I pray for those of us who look at our lives and we say, yeah, I've been far less than faithful I was saved maybe a long time ago but haven't really been living like it I've been loving other things more than God and we pray Lord those of us in that boat for your forgiveness Lord we want to give you everything Holy Spirit help us with that that tomorrow, even today, as we walk through our everyday goings and doings, we would lay it all before you as an offering and say, take it God, take me, take all of me. I'm yours, do with me as you wish. Lead me where you want me to go. Help me to live the way you want me to. And we pray all this In the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.